Hello, everybody, and welcome to the July 23rd, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josie. And, ladies and gentlemen, I've been probably one of the most, I don't want to say defensive, but I've probably been the nicest to Biden out of basically any libertarian-leaning commentator, if only because the attacks the Trump campaign keeps coming up with him are so utterly nonsensical that I have to defend him kind of by default. And the Biden campaign is just kind of sitting there not doing anything. Um, it's like you're poking a dead rat, and I'm just going, why are you poking that dead rat? Because that dead rat is a communist. No, he isn't. He's a dead rat, you idiot. And when he was in the Senate, he was an alive rat. He was very much not a communist. Uh, <laughs> with that said, Biden said something really stupid that finally got my attention. Uh, enjoy. What President Trump has done in going his his spreading of racism, the way he deals with with yeah. with people based on the color of their skin, their national origin, where they're from is absolutely sickening. Yeah. No sitting president has ever done this. Never, never, never. No Republican president has done this. No Democratic president. We have racists, and they've existed, and they've tried to get elected president. He's the first one that has. Okay, so first off, I, I would like to thank Joe Biden for officially destroying the left's narrative of systematic racism. I mean, seriously, if we've never had a racist president, how could there be such a concept as systematic racism? One, there were no racist policies. The system never had a racist in it before Donald Trump. So how could such a thing have happened? And of course, this statement is ridiculous, calling Trump the first racist president. Although, you know what, we'll be as absolutely generous to Joe Biden is humanly possible, okay? And he said the first racist elected. Well, you know what? We are going to ignore every president before Andrew Jackson, because before Andrew Jackson, or at least before the first time he was elected in 1928, you had to be a white male property owner to vote. So we are not going to include, and these are merely off the top of my head, George Washington, who owned slaves, Thomas Jefferson, who owned slaves, I believe John Quincy Adams also owned slaves, but don't quote me on that. Um, we are, for that matter, not going to include any president before 1920, when women got the right to vote. Because before then, you had to be a man to vote. So we will not include Andrew Jackson, who consistently defended slavery and engaged in the slave trade. We are, for that matter, not going to defend any president who appointed John C. Calhoun as their vice president, despite the fact he was a very open slaver and believed it was, as he put it, a necessary good. Um, we are going to completely ignore James Buchanan, who turned a complete blind eye to the South seceding during the Civil War. We're going to ignore Abraham Lincoln, who said that he did not support political equality for black people. That a day standards Lincoln would be a racist. We're going to ignore Andrew Johnson, who, even by those standards, was an unacceptable racist. Uh, he specifically made sure that any act of reconstruction was as harmful to African Americans as humanly possible. Okay? 
we are going to ignore Ulysses S. Grant, who also owned slaves, and directly said that if he felt the Civil War was about slavery, he'd give his sword to Robert E. Lee. While on that topic, we are going to ignore Theodore Roosevelt. Why, are we, why would we need to ignore Theodore Roosevelt? Because he wrote a letter to a eugenicist, Charles Davenport, praising him nonstop. And I mean praising him nonstop, saying he was doing great work. The U.S. eugenics program, by the way, had a fawning letter of approval written about it by a fellow you may have heard of named Adolf Hitler. Uh, speaking of eugenics, we are going to completely ignore William Howard Taft, despite the fact he was the chief justice during a case. This isn't really racism as much as general eugenics, but it is worth bringing up in a case called Buck v. Bell, which, for those who don't know, determined that it was perfectly acceptable for states to more or less engage in eugenics or sterilize mentally handicapped people. This practice continued in the U.S., by the way, until around the Ford administration. Okay, and lastly, we are going to ignore Woodrow Wilson, who might, who himself, who himself might not have been a racist, but at the very least continuously appointed racists as uh, in his cabinet, many of which resegregated agencies that were previously desegregated. Okay, and, and, and I'm being, again, very generous, I'm just feeling... So generous, and notice, by the way, I'm only bringing up racism against African Americans. If we were to include racism against other groups like Asians, the Chinese Exclusion Act, for instance, which I believe was signed into law by Grover Cleveland, but don't quote me on that. Now, it was either Benjamin Harris or Grover Cleveland, I forget which one, or racism against Native Americans, we'd be here for about three hours. Okay, we'd be here literally all day and a good chunk of tomorrow. We are only including against African Americans because that's the topical one right now. Okay? Uh, we are also, for that matter, going to not include any presidents until African Americans got the right to vote. Because, after all, they weren't truly elected if a large swath of the population could not vote for them. So we will ignore Franklin Delano Roosevelt, for instance, who put Japanese Americans into internment camps. He did not allow a African-American Olympic runner, Jesse Owens, I believe was his name, to dine at the White House. He was openly a racist. We are, for that matter, that's really the last openly racist president until afterwards. Because Johnson wasn't an open racist in how we think about it. He was just kind of a Texan and had the vocabulary of a Texan without knowing any better. He was an old school ignorant one. Uh, <laughs> but we'll only include them from there. So let's go 1968 onwards. Or 1964 onwards. 65 was Voting Rights Act. Um, well, to start off with, there's a fellow named Richard Nixon, who specifically said his campaign aide, a guy named John Richmond, said not only did he start the war on drugs because he couldn't make it illegal to be black, but also that his campaign was primarily designed to target minorities, to make white people afraid of minorities. Okay? So, right there, that's utter nonsense. Now, then 
what about the dog whistle arguments? Haven't those been the arguments that have been primarily made? And that's the case. The main source of dog whistles, if you will, from a U.S. president, I thought that was Ronald Reagan. You guys remember the man who, after he won the nomination in 1980, went to a, I forget the exact details, but it was a street in Alabama where a civil rights activist had been shot about 16 years earlier. Um, and directly and directly uh, started giving a speech on states' rights. Now, primarily, states' rights in the context of Alabama was an excuse for segregation. That's not always what it is, but it's usually what it, is, what it was. Okay, look at the states' rights parties that were popular in places like Alabama, if you don't believe me. I thought that was the dog whistle. I thought that was evidence Reagan was a racist. And don't forget... Reagan said very derogatory things about African Americans with Richard Nixon. So this claim, no matter how generous we want to be towards Vice President Biden, is just utter nonsense on every level. Now, Biden's black senior advisor, she's not specifically the black senior advisor, senior advisor, but for the sake of clarity, I'll mention that she is black because you can't see her picture through the audio. Uh, Carrie Jean Perrie was asked about this comment in which she attempted to clarify, and it doesn't really help. Here's a clip from CNN. So President Trump says, and yes, he does things that are racist. He does it out in the open, things that no recent president has done. I, I think that's fair. But there have been many slaveholders who have held the office of president. Why is Biden not being more accurate when he, he's dealing with what is a really serious matter here that requires precision? Yeah, so I think what the, what the vice president meant to say, what he was, he was saying actually was that Donald Trump is the first president to have purposefully had made, has made racism the center of his, of his campaign, of his administration, clearly. And when you think about the campaign, the type of campaign that he run, he won on that. He deliberately seeks to divide us. He I would like to, again, read you a quote from John Richmond, a counsel and assistant to President Nixon, uh, just to show how utterly nonsensical that statement is. And mind you, we'll, again, give her benefit of that, that she meant six, that she said successful, because uh, there were tons of candidates that ran on racism and got a decent amount of votes, actually. The most successful third-party candidate in recent history, the last third-party candidate to get electoral votes as of time of recording, was George Wallace in 1968, Segregation Now, Segregation Tomorrow, Segregation Forever guy. Um, now... Since then, there have been more reports to coming out that basically said that, that was just to get votes and he wasn't actually going to do that in office. That doesn't change the point. 1948, Strom Thurmond, well, one of the longest serving senators in U.S. history as well, um, ran on keeping segregation forever, um, federal anti-interracial marriage laws, and a million other racist policies. He was the second most recent third-party candidate to get electoral votes. Okay? Electoral votes in the sense of the people of the state voted for him, not in the sense of a faceless elector voted for him, by the way. Just want to make that clear. Um, but anyway, here's a quote from John Richmond. 
The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war, the war being the war in Vietnam, or black. And by the way, Nixon ran in 1968 on getting us out of Vietnam. This is despite the fact that he also had Henry Kissinger sabotage the Vietnam peace talks that Johnson was going to do a few days before the election, um, specifically in hopes it would get him more votes from anti-Vietnam voters. So that was fun. Really, the only good thing that came out of Nixon was Hunter S. Thompson, send tweet. Uh, <laughs> but by getting the public to associate the haze with marijuana and the blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Now, right there, the first part is very incriminating. The first part is him saying the Nixon campaign of 1968 was ran on racism. That was one of the big things. I didn't directly say that. He never directly said that, to my knowledge. In fact, in 1960, when he ran against John F. Kennedy, he is vice president, or his running mate, a guy named Henry Lodge Jr., if I'm not mistaken, directly said that he would have an African-American cabinet member. Now, that changed because, basically, Roger Ailes got a hold of him and told him, Boy, Rich, this is how you're going to be racist in a way that will get you votes. Um, but back to the topic at hand. So the first part's very incriminating. The second part's also very incriminating. The main reason being the 1972 campaign against George McGovern Nixon launched the attack that McGovern was the candidate of abortion, amnesty, and acid. Those are the three big things. Amnesty, by the way, in those times meant forgiving draft dodgers, not illegal immigrants, just to be absolutely clear. Amnesty as a term just means to forgive someone for breaking the law. The big question about amnesty in that day was for draft dodgers. Now, as it stands, Acid is the one I want to talk about as well, because that was a specific reference to McGovern's opposition to Nixon's war on drugs. And what did we just establish? The war on drugs was fought on? Racism. And of course, Biden can't mention that, because Biden was a hardcore drug warrior in the Senate, including going so far as during the Reagan administration, talking about banning raves. Vinyl Scratch would not approve. <laughs> I mean, when you look at this statement, no matter how you look at it, it is obviously absurd. And again, I am giving Biden every interpretation possible. And I'm not saying whether or not Donald Trump is a racist. We'll pretend he's the biggest racist since Strom Thurmond. Okay? We'll go even farther. We'll pretend he's the biggest racist since John C. Calhoun. That's how big of a racist he is. That still wouldn't make him special, though. And if anything, I thought that's why the U.S. had systematic racism, according to the left. Because candidates like John C. Calhoun and Strom Thurmond and Jesse Helms and uh, George Wallace and a million others, Thad Cochran, that's another example, were all commonplace. 
I thought that was the evidence that they were that we were systematically racist as a nation. Joe Biden just completely ignored that. I, I would like to thank Joe Biden on that account. Wish it made sense, but it doesn't. Not in the slightest. Sorry. Anyway, now let's talk about the administration. Specifically, their new plan, Operation Legend. What is Operation Legend going to do? Well, according to Donald Trump, it is going to fight classic crime. Wait, what? Isn't that the job of state and local governments? So we can't pass federal police reform uh, because that's unconstitutional. At least according to Republicans who don't want it. However, however, we can send the Department of Homeland Security in to just be the police force. Obviously, that's that's clearly in the Constitution. The DHS was created by the Constitution. Most don't know that. It took us until about 2003 to realize it, though. Fucking idiots. Now, there are things we can talk about so far, most notably how this is probably unconstitutional, and for that matter, how William Barr has completely made up the number of arrests it's done so far. Uh... <laughs> However, here's what I do want to talk about. Portland's mayor tear-gassed by U.S. agents as protests rage. This is from Associated Press. The mayor of Portland, Oregon, was tear-gassed by U.S. government agents as he stood outside a federal courthouse during another night of protests against the presence of federal police sent by President Donald Trump to quell the city's ongoing unrest. Mayor Ted Wheeler, a Democrat, appeared slightly dazed and coughed and said Wednesday night that it was the first time he'd been tear-gassed. He put on a pair of goggles someone had handed him and drank water but did not leave the spot at the front of the protest and continued to take tear gas as the demonstration raged, with protesters lighting a large fire between the protective fencing and the Mark O. Harefield Federal Courthouse Aim the pop, pop, pop sounds of the federal agents deploying tear gas and stun grenades into the crowds. Uh, so the president, or at least his federal agents, just attacked an elected official. Huh. For the record, for the record, if, if you or I were to assault a federal official or tear gas a federal official, or tear gas any elected representative, okay? We would get between one to four years in prison. But the DHS is just allowed to tear gas political opponents and nobody says anything. I mean, obviously. Wait, they're harming people for political purposes and creating fear. What's, what's, what's that word that describes that? I forget. Um, however, however, all of this is awful in every way. In every single way. Ted Wheeler is a elected by the people of Portland mayor. Okay? He did not hold a coup. He is not a dictator. He is a mayor that was elected by the people of Portland, Oregon to represent their interests. They believe Ted Wheeler does represent their interests, hence why he tends to have a very high approval rating. Okay? 
The fact is, as I've mentioned time and time again, the people of Portland, unfortunately, in my opinion, do agree with a lot of radical leftism. Now, we can go in there and attempt to do everything under the sun to arrest them and ban them and do everything we want. That doesn't actually do anything. That never does anything. Okay? All that does is make the people of Portland want to hurt you. As has happened. I remember Ali Stuckley, uh, the conservative millennial, directly, yeah, I think that's her online handle, uh, directly said that maybe this is what Antifa wanted, okay? That Antifa wanted so there'd be a giant spectacle. So, in a sense, what she said was, and she didn't directly say this, but this is what I took from it, is that Donald Trump is incompetent and unable to actually deal with any amount of hardball because all he ends up doing is giving the people he hates exactly what they want. That's what I got out of that. That is what I got. That Donald Trump cannot actually deal with something like this because all he ends up doing is giving his enemies exactly what they want. Congratulations, Mr. President. You turned Antifa into martyrs. How do you feel? And, you know, it's a shame because I am a critic of Antifa. I am. And I find, I wrote an article about this for the Liberty Hawk a while ago. I need to write for the Liberty Hawk more, you know. I haven't written for them in a while. But I wrote about this a while ago, back when Pat Oswalt was comparing them to Dwight Eisenhower. Side note. If Antifa is Dwight Eisenhower, does that mean that they're currently recruiting Richard Spencer to lead their space program? Serious question. Uh, <laughs> how would that go? Just Antifa HQ, which is totally a thing, by the way, calls up like Jason Kepler, David Duke. Hey, you want to lead our space program? You think they'd say yes? I wonder. Uh... <laughs> That's a much better argument, by the way, than just, oh my god, this is unorthodox, because that doesn't convince anyone. No, I find their rebranding of American history to make themselves seem part of it to be absolutely disgusting. We'll make that clear. And I do support arresting the actively violent ones. Now, first off, as it stands, there's very little evidence from the Department of Homeland Security that they were engaged. No, don't get me wrong. There were violent members. We don't know exactly who was arrested at the time of recording. Or, for that matter, why they were arrested. It's just taking back Portland. Well, okay, if you were going in there and specifically arresting terrorists, that would be fine. But that's not what they were doing. They're talking about taking it back for the people, despite the fact that people agree with Antifa and are constantly trying to stop you. Congratulations, Mr. President. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no way around what is going on here. And we read, by the way, the claims acting, acting Secretary of Homeland Security Chad Wolf had against Antifa on this podcast. He used the phrase radical anarchist about seven times more than he used the phrase assault. Uh, most of the crimes they found Antifa committed were minor vandalism. That's just an objective fact. So as it stands, as it stands, I'm sorry, but what the president has done, he has done it so poorly that he has essentially turned Antifa into martyrs. How do you feel about that, president? I mean, there's no way around it at this point. You have turned 
a group of people that are violent, that are radicals, that are communists, into martyrs for the average American. There's really no way around that. Do you want me to give you a round of applause? You so screwed up at your job that your enemies are now fallen heroes in the minds of a lot of people. Congratulations, you screwed up. And that is according, by the way, to the analysis provided by Republicans. Now, this is what Antifa wanted all along, and you gave it to them. Congratulations. Now, I don't know the exact Antifa approval rating, if there is such a thing, but I promise you it's only gone up. I promise you it's only gone up because this administration is so incompetent at handling what it claims it's fighting for. There is no way around it. This administration has failed in every account when it comes to dealing with this crisis. But I guess it's all worth it because we're more divided than ever according to a poll of zombies. I mean, this is nonsensical. This is utterly nonsensical on every single account. Anyway, uh, here's something uncovered by Ken Klippenstein that I thought was worth talking about. CBD has deployed 2,174 personal, 46 aircrafts, and two drones to assist dozens of police departments across the country since June. Pure CBD documentation leaked to him. The and then he links to an article from The Nation on this topic. Uh, the article in question is called The Federal Response to Protest Extends Far Beyond Portland. Yay. In conspicuous show of force, armed customs and border protection officers were recently... And, okay, now it's jumping on me. Thanks, The Nation. I love it when you do that. Um... We're recently seeing carrying out mass surveillance and arrest. Agency Director Mark Morgan has defended the deployment as measures and restraint. Quote, I will not send any resources out anywhere to confront American citizens, he told Time. But CPP, CBP, sorry, supports local law enforcement has extended far beyond its controversial Portland deployment and includes not just thousands of personnel, but also drones and dozens of aircrafts, according to CBP documents obtained exclusively by the nation. You gotta love, uh, the police need drones, apparently. Don't know why. In no way know why, but apparently they need drones. I mean, really? Really? Are we talking about Portland, Oregon? Or Somalia? Okay? Or the Congos? If we were talking about the Congos, maybe I could see the argument, but we're not. We're talking about Portland. If we were talking about one of the Transformers movies, then maybe there could be a case. Um, but no. No. No, this is utterly nonsensical. Okay? Utterly nonsensical. Um, the document, a draft of the agency's answer to a question posed then by Senator Kamala Harris on June 5th, 2020, 
details the assets CBP deploys in response to requests for assistance from local law enforcement agencies across the country. So many local law enforcement agencies request support that, according to documents, CBP was not aware of any state or local entities that explicitly declined assistance. The assistance includes a broad array of services like aerial surveillance, crowd control, unmarked vehicles, and plank cloth surveillance. Several requests involve specialized tactical units like CBP's Ambivalous Reimbursement Force. An index list request. This is, by the way, at a time where 94% of Americans support police reform. Just wanted you guys to know 94% support police reform, about two thirds support abolishing qualified immunity. Um. Now, what do we got right here? Well, I'll tell you what we got. We got the exact opposite. We got, screw you, police have tanks. Why do they need tanks? Why, why do police need drones? You know, here's how I always think about it. How long were we able to do policing without drones? Serious question. This is how I feel about police militarization in general. Police were able to do their jobs in one form or another for centuries, or at the very least decades in the U.S., centuries across this, across this planet, without drones, without tanks. Now, in the case we started giving them guns, that was because more people got access to guns. So it made sense. If your common variety person starts getting access to tanks, like it's that Family Guy episode, then you know what? Maybe I'll see your point. I will. At that point, I will see your argument. I'll think it's a kind of stupid argument, but I'll see it as certainly an argument. However, until that day comes, you know what I think? I think police do not need any equipment that they have not needed in the past. Seriously. They need tanks yesterday? No. They need tanks the day before that? No. They need tanks in the 90s? No. They need them in the 80s? No. Even when we started the war on drugs, okay, some of the most draconian policing we ever seen, even when we started doing broken window policing, they didn't have tanks for a good couple of decades. You tell someone in the 2000s, you tell someone in the 90s, Okay, back when they wanted Clinton's crime reform bill, or Giuliani's crime reform policies, that one day the police would be getting tanks. They'd say, no, that's, that's nonsensical. Why do they need those? Now this is just normal. This is just seen as perfectly normal. Okay? Just no one is allowed to take issue with this. Because uh, if they do, they're pro-crime. It's cancel culture, because um, you're canceling police, probably. An index list requires a various metropolitan police departments, including the NYPD, Chicago PD, Miami PD, Philadelphia PD, San Diego PD, and DC's Metropolitan PD. Even federal agencies requested assistance, including several FBI field officers and the Drug Enforcement Agency. They didn't need that. They didn't need that until, I, I, at most recent, a decade ago. They didn't need that for decades on end. All, it's the same thing I feel about no-knock raids. We didn't have no-knock raids in this country until the 90s. Okay? Before then, they were declared unconstitutional. 
Now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, guys, we need no-knock raids. We need police having tanks and cannons and tear gas. Well, they've always had tear gas. But you guys get what I mean. Okay? Is it because of some massive rising crime? No. Crime has been consistently going down for the past quarter century. You would think, because the reason these tough-on-crime policies started was because of how high crime was originally. In the 70s and 80s, yeah, crime was really high. Okay? At least high compared to where it had been otherwise. You still were very unlikely to be raped, shot, uh, murdered, stolen from. It was still very unlikely. New York City was basically a war zone. It was so bad there was a bill introduced into Congress to completely dissolve their local government. That's how bad it was. Seriously, that's how bad it was. Now, look at where we are today. We've had a quarter century of crime dropping. And some of that was because of broken window policies. You would think, because we don't do permanent occupation of even other nations in most cases. We don't. We don't do permanent occupation in a lot of cases. You would think that if we've successfully occupied and lowered crime, at some point we would be able to just, maybe not fire police officers, but at the very least be able to roll back these broken window policies. No, instead, how does the U.S. general public get rewarded for a quarter century of good behavior, the police get even worse. The police get even more material. If crime was rising nonstop, I could see the case for it. But it hasn't been. Crime has been going down for the past quarter century. Okay? And now a couple of riots occur. And as if there haven't been riots at any point in U.S. history before this, by the way. As if riots were a new thing invented by BLM. No, they didn't need tanks to stop other riots. We didn't need tanks to stop the 1968 riots outside of Chicago. We didn't need tanks uh, when the Kent State students rioted. We sent in the National Guard. We didn't send in tanks. That would have been ridiculous. That would have been a political cartoon of the actions done by Jim Rose. You know, we didn't send them in when, what's another big riot? Trying to think, there, there have been several riots. I can't think of any right now, and I'm very disappointed in myself for that. I am genuinely very disappointed in myself for that. Uh, <laughs> but no! We have been able to quash riots throughout a large chunk of human history without needing drones, without needing mass surveillance, without needing any of this equipment. So here is my response to anyone who says that they need this. When do they start needing it? We've dealt with riots for decades on end. Why is it now? just in the 2010s, starting in the 2010s at least, and it got worse in the 2020s, that we need police with drones. I'm seriously asking. I'm seriously asking. Anyway, uh, to end off with, I'm surprised I haven't really talked about Michelle Mulkin on this podcast. 
uh, because she is genuinely one of the insane ones. Her biggest, her greatest hit, in my opinion, was when she said John Kerry shot himself to get a Purple Heart in 04. Uh, she said in her interview, look up Hardball Michelle Malkin if you ever get the chance. Trust me, you won't see any pornography because nobody wants to make pornography with Michelle Malkin in it. Ooh. Now that's a spicy comment. It's a spicy pizza pie. <laughs> I thought this article was utter. I just read the headline. I knew it was garbage. This is from CNS. Michelle Malkin, one nation under a narco tyranny. I've heard that term before. If you follow me on Twitter, which you should, you may have seen me talk about this term before. That's nonsensical. That doesn't exist. Anarchy means without rulers, tyranny is when one person has complete rule. Those are oxymorons, you moron. Uh, but here's what Malkin had to say. The America you grew up in is not the land we live in now. One nation under God? Ha! Oh man, great out on all the people who, let me think. Uh, we're born in the 50s or later, so hey, that is the one we grew up in. Not really a big point. And again, we weren't really a centralized nation until ungodly recently. I cannot establish, I cannot stress that enough. Anyone who tells you we were always a very centralized, unified nation is talking out of their ass. They are honest to God talking out of their ass. Uh, land of the free? Ha. Domestic tranquility? Ha. Equal protection under the law? Ha. Uh, are, are you done just kind of laughing? It, it sounds like, was there a gas leak in here? Freedom of speech? Association? Peaceful assembly? Ha ha ha. Okay, seriously, Michelle, you're scaring me. Is there a gas leak in here? I'm really starting to worry. It's not socialism or communism under which we suffer. Our dangerous, chaotic, selective, oppressive pyramid is more accurately described as anarcho-tyranny. That's still not a thing. The late conservative columnist Sam Francis first coined the term in the 1992 to diagnose a condition of both anarchy, the failure of the state to enforce law, that's not what anarchy is, and at the same time, tyranny, the enforcement of the law by the state for oppressive purposes. Again, you really don't see how that's an oxymoron? Really? The state's failing to enforce the law, but they're also enforcing it to oppress you. Okay. I to uh, that is nonsensical, and I am not getting over that. The criminalization of law-abiding and innocent Francis Expose is achieved in such a state through, quote, exorbitant taxation, bureaucratic regulation. Wow, both of those sound like they would need the state to really enforce some laws. The invasion of privacy, again, sounds like the state would really need to get on down here and enforce some laws to do that. And the engineering of social institutions, such as the family and local schools, the, again, again, I don't know how you do that without enforcing laws and therefore it not being anarchy. 
Um, what you're describing is, well, not a thing. And look, it's theoretically possible the situations Malkin is describing could, I guess, manifest. But all I'm asking for her to do is actually appropriately define her political philosophy. That's it. I know. I know. How dare I? How dare I? The imposition of thought control sensitivity training. Those aren't even close to the same. Nobody's saying you can't think things. It doesn't even make any sense. So, wait, here's my question. Here's my question. If CNS is completely against thought control, am I allowed to write pro-communist articles and publish them on their, on their website? And if you say no, you're engaging in cancel culture, and therefore you're dead or something. I don't know exactly how this works, because it's really stupid. Uh, and multicultural curricula, hate crime laws. How are those thought control? They're no more thought control than normal laws against assault and murder, which I thought weren't being enforced anyway. Because we live under anarchy now. Screw it, go commit a hate crime, Michelle Malkin. Apparently they're not being enforced. <laughs> oh wait, Michelle Malkin's Asian. Now I can't say that. Oh no. <laughs> Gun control laws that punish or disarm otherwise, otherwise law-abiding citizens would have no impact on violent criminals who get guns illegally. I am against those. I am against a good chunk of what she describes here for the record. And the vast labyrinth of other measures. The toxic combination of pandemic panic and George Floyd derangement syndrome. Wouldn't it be George Floyd demagoguery? Or George Floyd worship? I mean, it's not really derangement for the man himself. And by the way, by the way, I like how, because uh, if you don't know, derangement syndrome was originally a term coined by the late Charles Krauthammer in reference to how Howard Dean talked about George W. Bush. He said he was so deranged, it was like he had a Bush derangement syndrome. And since then, it's gone on to apply to basically everyone that people don't like. Um, no one's deranged over George Floyd. Even then, you fail to describe what that. This is the other issue I have with all these derangement syndromes. They never actually describe what these people did that got others so mad in the first place. Oh, you have Adolf Hitler derangement. Michelle Malkin, Michelle Malkin, serious question. Do you have Joseph Stalin derangement syndrome? Seriously asking. Do you have anarchist derangement syndrome, Michelle? Because you seem to be writing about them. Do you have immigrant derangement syndrome? Seriously, do you? I mean, I'm seriously asking you, Michelle. You wrote, like, what, three, four whole books about why immigration is so awful? Do you have immigrant derangement syndrome? I want to know. I want to know, Michelle. Apparently that makes you wrong, by the way. Not sure how, but that makes you wrong. I'm not going to explain why you don't like immigration, because that would actually mean I'd have to argue that. It's much easier to just say you have a disorder. Yeah, there was that article uh, from Vice a while ago. It was like, uh, if racism was a mental disorder, would you stop being racist? And I remember I saw someone reply to it with the caption, if racism is a mental disorder, then I'm fucking retarded. And I'm just sitting there thinking... I mean, you said it, so hey. 
<laughs> That's one of my favorite tweets of all time, just because of how cell phoning it is. Uh, has thoroughly destroyed the home of the brave. It is a paradise for the depraved and dictatorial. You know, when I think depraved and dictatorial, I think like Caligula, truth be told. My owner gets to, you know what? Caligula was a bad guy. Don't get me wrong. But he was depraved as hell. Anyone who thinks we're living under the worst time ever, go live under Caligula. Well, you can't because he's been about dead for two millennium. But if you could, you'd see how right I am. Anarcho tyranny is now hoodlums can talk to hoodlums, hoodlums. Really, what is this? Nineteen seventy six can toss. Are you gonna what? <laughs> That's like something a parody of a white person would say. Forty years ago. <laughs> Why, I'm going to fight those hoodlums, and then I'm going to go vote for Ronald Reagan. <laughs> can toss statues in the rivers with impunity while citizens disgusted by Black Lives Matter street graffiti are charged with hate crime. Uh, actually, the ones who toss statues in the rivers uh, get, are, are getting arrested, Michelle. The president put out essentially a wanted act on Twitter for them. That's impunity? Really? And as for the uh, mural case, it, it will almost certainly turn out that the guy did nothing wrong. That is my only... If he gets convicted, then I'll be right there with you. He won't be. You can arrest someone for any reason, dude. You can do it. Someone once put it to me like this. You could sue someone for having grass on their lawn if you truly wanted to. You'd lose, but you could. <laughs> As David Nelson and Nicole Anderson in RT, California, were by a George Soros-funded district attorney. It's always George Soros. Never anyone else. You know, with how Soros is passing money around and seems to be this big lefty communist, it would be kind of cool if he'd, like, end poverty or something. Just saying. Anarcho-tyranny is how rioters can shut down highways and byways on a whim without fear of arrest. Actually, they now get fear of getting flash gun shot at them. Well, yeah, this article is horribly dead, and it's like a day old. While computers trying to escape the window, smashing barbarians, obstructing traffic, are charged with assault, as poor Jennifer Watterson of Denver, Colorado, was this week. Um, again, almost certainly won't be convicted. Anarcho-tyranny is how hordes of gay pride activists marching shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder can defy social distancing guidelines. That is just bluntly... I don't think that happened, Michelle. Like, I'm near certain that didn't happen. Almost every pride parade I'm aware of was cancelled. Okay, so, no. No, that's nonsensical. Oh, and by the way, while anti-lockdown and anti-mask mandate protesters are deemed public health menaces, who now face stitch hotlines, fines, house arrests, or jail time. Any examples of this? Any? Michigan let you protest. They just said that it was stupid. Anarcho-tyranny is how 1,000 black militia members can take the streets of Georgia and point their guns at motorists as they demand reparations. Source, please. 
While white citizen militia members in Idaho, Utah, and New Mexico have been smeared publicly as racist and face injections of peacefully defending their neighborhoods. Again, citation. Anything. And then she goes on to engage in the war on police by blaming the cops for this. Tommy Lawrence is upset with you. Well, she's upset at everything, so that's a different topic. Uh, <laughs> that's all I can take of Michelle Malkin. I am Ephraim, and good night.